Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. It is more than just a game, and especially when you're talking about an organization, a franchise like the Montreal Canadiens, that jersey means so much to so many people. And it's not lost on us players, and I think the more years you get to spend in the city, the more you you start to understand that. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. That'll be a suspension. That'll be a fine. Alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. All right, welcome to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Been looking forward to this. Brendan Gallagher joining us today. Tim Stapleton, my partner. Um, welcome to the show, Brendan. Um, geez. Just finished working out, did you? Getting in shape for next yeah. season? Yeah, another day in the gym. Uh, it's been a good summer here. I've enjoyed it. Obviously, I like coming home, uh, spending some time with my family, but uh, a big part of it is is getting in the gym with my old man and, and putting in the work. So, uh, you know, it, it's been a good summer for us so far. How long you usually take off? How long you usually take off? Uh, a week a week to, to two weeks. Um, I think this year was um, like 10, 11 days, something like that. And it's not like you're going hard right away. You're just kind of getting back in the gym and, uh, yeah. you know, you know, fixing your body and getting it ready to go so you can start working out. But yeah, you, you take about, I think it was 10 days this year and then you're, you're back at it uh, doing what you need to do. All right, Brendan, I, I want to go back to the beginning because, and I say the beginning because... When I first moved back to Montreal, uh, I lived back in Boston. I moved back. Uh, I got sober. I ch- changed my life. I moved back here, and I had some opportunities. And when I came back, I went to training camp to see what's going on in training camp with the Canadians. And it was your first camp. And I, I'll never forget sitting there in the stands. And this little guy is out there buzzing around, running into people. I'm there, who is this kid? So I I had to run and get the sheet. And I I, I looked and I said, okay, Gallagher, Irish kid. And sounds like, you know, looks like this might be, be something here. And I didn't know anything about you at all. And, and, and just seeing the way I said, this kid is going to play here someday. He's got it. And because uh, I didn't know anything about you. Where did, where did that drive, that determination, that that like just going after it attitude come from you know i actually remember that training camp well as well uh they sent our they sent our flights out and i was one of the only players who had a return flight about three days later in camp and i was kind of pissed off about it uh so i remember you know calling my dad and complaining and he just basically told me to shut up and you know if you want to earn it go earn it so i was i was playing a little pissed off um but that's that's probably a big part of it is uh, you know, my, my family, uh, both my mom and my dad were very competitive people, um, you know, played competitive sports, hate to lose. Uh, my dad is one thing, but my mom is, is one of the sorest losers ever, but, uh, it, it wears off on us. She hates to lose whatever you do. And it was kind of instilled at us at a younger age, uh, no matter what you do, if you're going to do it, you do it the right way. And, um, you know, it's a, it's just a part of, uh, all us kids it's in our identity, uh, and you grew up with it and, you know, it's, it's part of a big reason, you know, obviously where, where I am today is, is, uh, you know, how I was raised by them. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely really appreciated with the, the values and the, um, you know, obviously the, the life lessons that are instilled in you at a younger age. You were born in Edmonton and then your family moves to, to, um, to British Columbia. 
where did the hockey stop for you? Did it start in Edmonton and then just continue when you moved to BC? Yeah, I mean, I, I was playing hockey at a really young age. Um, we are growing up in Alberta. Uh, you know, it, it's cold, so you have some long winters. So we were we were one of those families with the the big outdoor pond in our backyard. It was my dad was out there uh, setting up lights, and and uh, you know, he had his own little uh, makeshift zamboni and shoveling it off, and a bunch of the neighborhood kids would come over. So I mean, I was skating at two, three years old, organized hockey at five, and. Uh, it was just something I always loved to do. You know, I, I, you know, I was, I was okay at it at a young age. So I enjoyed, enjoyed that aspect of it, but you just loved being with your friends and, and doing that. And, um, I also loved playing other sports. I just wasn't as good at it. So I, at a certain age, um, I remember I had to stop playing lacrosse at a young age, uh, because I was basically getting beat up too much. I had to stop playing baseball, uh, you know, when I started playing junior hockey, but hockey was something that, um, you know, I was, I was able to continue to keep doing, and if you're able to continue to keep doing something you love, uh, you know, why not, why not give it a shot? Yeah, Brendan. So you, you go to BC and, um, what was, what, yeah, were you living in BC when you first went to play in the Wee tournament in Quebec? So that would have been my first year in BC. We had moved from, uh, I was 12, 13 years old, uh, when we had moved out to BC and, I had known a couple players and one of the players I had played with before was Kevin Sunder, who in our age group was the best player. Um, you know, everyone had talked about him. You move out to BC. He was the the big talk of the town at 12 and 13 years old. And he had played at the Burnaby winter club, which was about a 45 minute drive from our place. My dad said, sure. Um, you know, not really understanding what Vancouver traffic was like. We signed up for that year and uh, we had a good team, but we sent ourselves out to the, to the Quebec Pee Wee tournament, and uh, one of my best memories. Uh, played with some really good players. I remember uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was on that team, uh, but a lot of guys that went on and and you know had good American League and and played over in Europe careers. And uh, you know, one of uh, still friends with a lot of those guys. Uh, one of my best friends today, actually, Josh Nichols, the guy I I spend pretty much every day with in the gym. He's playing over in the KHL was on that team and we I think we went like 52 and 0 in BC but we went over to that Quebec tournament and got humbled a little bit we uh we lost and it was one of our only losses of the year but I remember trading the pins and uh, it was kind of my first little experience uh, over there in Quebec. Knox what's the what's the goal you were talking about like he was like seven years old or something the yeah goal? in the peewee tournament there's a, <laughs> there's a goal that that he goes down and scores he runs the goalie over and he it's the same thing he did in the NHL his first year. I mean, it's hilarious. If you if you go to you Google Brendan Gallagher at the Pee Wee tournament, they show you that goal. But you know, looking at your style of game and and certainly your size, what was your biggest influence? I guess growing up as a kid, who did you look up to in hockey, and who was your heroes? In hockey, and I mean, I couldn't be in a better situation right now. It was Martin Saint Louis and. Um, you know, since he's been coaching our team, just talking to him and trying to learn as much as you can. The one thing that always stuck out with me from a younger age was how competitive he was. Uh, he was talented. He scored goals, uh, but he competed and he had to earn everything that was given to him. And I don't think that was ever lost. And I, um, you know, when he was still in New York and we were playing him in the playoffs, uh, I was actually on the ice for his overtime winner at a at a pretty clear view of that one, and he didn't say a word yeah. to anyone that whole series. We were trying to get him off his game, trying to do whatever you could. You could just see he was focused. He understood the moment and the situation, and um, you know he he stepped up for his team at a good moment. That's kind of what he did his his entire career. So 
uh, hockey wise, he was, he was always someone that I, I watched closely and, and just tried to, you know, not, you know, pick up a few things, but more the demeanor and how he approached the game. And, uh, definitely his, his competitiveness was something that stood out for me. So you play junior, yeah, Vancouver Giants, you played junior score, you, you, you score a lot of goals. You set the record there, uh, and you actually beat the record of the guy you looked up to. Uh, what was his name? Show train, <laughs> Adam, Adam Corshain, Adam Corshain, Corshain, yeah. Adam Corshain. Yeah. So yeah. you grew up around that team because your dad worked for him, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I was, I was not a lot of kids get to experience what I did. I was, um, you know, 13, 14. My dad would go to work. I would, I would show up with him uh, to the rink and I got to see how they prepared and the workouts that the players would do when they weren't playing and uh, the summer training. And, you know, I'd go sit in Don Hay's office um, and then my dad would just leave me there between periods. And I heard a few things and I listened to a few things. And as a, as a little kid, you're just taking this information in and, and understanding, you know, what it's going to take to get to the next level and, and kind of the way that um, the game is approached to that level. So I was, I was hanging around all these guys that used to, you know, fill up water bottles and dry towels and do whatever was asked of me. But you're just, you know, hanging around the guys. And, uh, you know, hockey players are always so good at making everyone feel comfortable, even as a younger kid. You know, they did such a good job of taking care of me. And, um, you know, you watch them play and then you imagine yourself playing there one day. And, and fortunately, that was able to happen for me, which was pretty special as well. 2010, you get drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Now, you didn't go to the draft, did you? Didn't go to the draft. My draft year, um, you know, I felt like I had a pretty good year, but I didn't really talk to any teams. Montreal was uh, was the only team. Von Carpen, uh, he now works for for Vegas, um, but he met with me out here in Tawasson. Uh, you know, took me for a meal, and that was the only team I really talked to all year. So my expectations were pretty low, uh, and the last thing I wanted to do was was go to the draft and not get drafted. So I sat at home, I watched it uh, with my mom. And by the fifth time, fifth round came around, they kind of stopped showing the picks anyways on TV. So you just kind of wait for a phone call. And uh, she was the happiest person in the room. She got to, to, to call her mom and her sisters and, and, uh, and brag about it. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was, it was cool, but uh, you kind of have an understanding, you know, it's just a day. There's a lot of work to be done. And uh, I was just excited to be joining such a, a storied organization. So how excited were you? Like, were you, first of all, who were you a fan of? What NHL team? Well, I grew up, uh, I grew up an Oiler fan, uh, being from Edmonton, and I actually had an uncle uh, who was a diehard Habs fan. He's your typical, uh, doesn't miss a game, talks about all the Stanley Cups everywhere you go. So I actually kind of grew up uh, not disliking him, but having a, a little bit of frustration towards the organization just because I had to hear my uncle brag about him too much, but. Uh, since I was drafted, he doesn't. There's not a year where he doesn't come down and, and get to experience it, and uh, that's been pretty cool for for me to see as well. And um, yeah, it's it's been tough with all my my family and friends there in Edmonton. It's it's tough to make them flip. They still kind of they cheer for me, but I don't know. It's hard to make them uh, fully come on board. So so that the, the Habs uh, uncle obviously he must love that. But you know, listen, coming here the first time. Yeah, like you said, you came here, they give you a round trip ticket. How, how much did you know about the history and how long, if you didn't know a whole lot about the history, how long did it take you to pick up on just that, that whole aura of what the Habs were all about? 
Well, I felt like I knew, but you really don't know until you get there and you get to experience it. And one of the great thing that the the team does is, um, especially early on, I was fortunate enough to to meet so many of you alumni and just to talk to you was you hear the stories and you see the faces and then you see uh, the jerseys in the rafters and just to get the opportunity to, you know, to, to spend days uh, with you guys. I remember at the golf tournament, they used to, you know, let me golf with Mr. Cornway A and, and, you know, you just spend a round of golf and, you know, we've played a round of golf together, Knox. It's, it's, uh, it's those kind of moments where you just kind of get to get to talking and get to chatting where you really, um, you know, you have an understanding of how important it is. And then, there's little moments that, that happen. I remember, uh, well, both, um, you know, the, the Sean Bellavo funeral and the, the Gila Fur funeral that we just had when the stories really start coming out. And um, there's little moments that stick out for different people and how important these people were in their lives. And it's, it is more than just a game. And especially when you're talking about an organization, a franchise like the Montreal Canadiens, that jersey means so much to so many people. And it's not lost on us players. And I think the more years you get to spend in the city, the more you uh, you start to understand that. And you've certainly been here since the beginning, and um, I'd love to see you um, uh, retire with that jersey on, to be quite honest with you. Not many players do that, and if there's one I believe that deserves to, it's you. Now, that being said, I just want to go back over the career a little bit, and Bergie comes in here, a new GM, and um, we, uh, you know, I kind of got the sense that Listen, there's a lot of pressure in the city, the media, you know, the French media, the English media. And I kind of got the sense that Bergie tried to, and not in a bad way, but protect players from the enormous amount of expectation there was in this town and kind of living up to the past. Did you, did you kind of get that feeling um, as a player here? Well, the, the one thing that I'll... I'll always appreciate with Burge is how loyal he was to us. If you showed him uh, that you were in it as much as he was, he would go through a wall for you. And as players, uh, you know, we had so many conversations, uh, be it postseason, during the season, uh, where if we had asked for something or we had told him something, he was going to get it done and he was going to do that for us. He wanted to make sure that our room was our room. Uh, we needed, we had everything in front of us uh, to succeed um, and he was, he was really hard. I mean, you see him celebrating those goals and, uh, that's raw emotion from Burge. That's who he is. And that's what he wanted. And, uh, he wanted to win here as bad as anyone else. And, um, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of people can say they were, were general manager of this organization for, for a decade. And he was, he was able to pull it off. We had some really good teams. The impressive part is we had some bad years, uh, but we were able to bounce back pretty quick. And the, you know, the, the fixing of the problem was, was very quick. And that was something that as players, we appreciated a lot. No, I was just going to, my, I was, you know, obviously I was going to ask about um, that, you know, you, in the minors that you spent some time in the minors and, you know, I, I have a lot of respect. I played a lot in the minors. Uh, what'd that do for you? It's, it looks like you went down and then you just never looked back. And I, was that the attitude of like, you know, when you were down there and what you're experiencing or like how how did that prepare you? What was your experience uh, like in Hamilton? Yeah, well, I mean, I I went, uh, it was the lockout, my first year pro. So I went into Hamilton, um, you know, really expecting to be there the whole year. Um, and we had, a, we had a really young team. Uh, every other team had NHL players coming back and uh, these bona fide American League players. We had, I remember we had seven 20-year-olds and all seven of us were kind of playing key roles and 
uh, key ice. So we didn't win a lot of games, but it was some really good experience um, for us to go down there and, and play against these players. And I remember, you know, you got your power play reps, you got your penalty kill reps, you got your your practice time, and the coach was hard and fair with us. So if you were if you were um, you know willing to understand the systems and and play with it, he would work with you and. Uh, if not, it was like anything else. He wasn't going to baby us. So it was, um, you were forced to be a professional early on. And that was something I appreciated. And, uh, I remember right before the lockout ended, I remember my last American hockey league game until I went on that conditioning stint last year, uh, we were getting killed and, uh, I believe it was Rockford. Um, I just jumped a guy and spent the, spent the whole third period in the penalty box because there was never a whistle. So I just sat in the penalty box the whole third period, watched us lose, uh, got on the bus. It was like three in the morning and then. We got into Hamilton and uh, Sylvain Lefebvre, who was our head coach, called me in. And he said, you're going, to, you're going to training camp in Montreal. Uh, I never want to see you again, but I was still kind of pissed off at the game, so I didn't really say much. And I kind of regret that because I kind of wanted to thank him and, and you know say stuff like that, but I was still kind of pissed off. So I just kind of nodded my head and went, okay, I'll see you later kind of thing. And then sure enough, um, you know, I came to Montreal. There wasn't really much of a training camp. There wasn't really much of an opportunity to you know showcase yourself. You just kind of went with what the coaches were telling you to do. I sat out the first game, they put me in the next game and, um, you know, I was able to, to make an impact early on and kind of feel comfortable and, and, uh, you know, earn my spot on the team. Yeah, you sure did. You sure did earn your spot and, uh, earning that spot along the way. Um, I, I think certainly the fan base embraced you and, um, I, I think the media likewise, and, uh, how can't you love, somebody who goes out there and gives it his all every night. I think that's what really opened everybody's eyes to what Brendan Gallagher was all about. But that being said, let's look on the flip side and let's talk about the referees because early going in your career, man, they were up your ass. And I, I think a lot of times you were misunderstood in the sense from the referee standpoint that, Listen, you were out there getting knocked around, knocked down, get back up. And I think a lot of times you were treated unfairly uh, because they looked at you as someone, they thought you were diving, for Christ's sake. And I, I just, I think you got a bad rap in the early going. Yeah, I, I mean, a, a big part of it was uh, understanding how to communicate with them. You know, I, I agree with you. That's that's ex- pretty much exactly what happened. But uh, the communication level and how I came across it uh, wasn't in the best way. And it took some years to kind of recover that and repair that relationship between us. And there's all these guys, you know, you see them so much, you see them so much. And uh, regardless of what they say, they're going to remember that. So it's, um, you know, that was, that was something for me to learn. And and I understand the way I play, I'm going to make the referee's job harder. They're not naturally going to like that, but if you can earn their respect, they're going to understand it. And I think early on, um, you know, they probably didn't respect me as a player, but I think the more that they've been able to watch me play, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything to embarrass them. I'm not diving. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm just playing the game hard. I'm going to be in these areas. I've always been okay taking a couple shots or a, an extra shot. I just don't want to get the cheap penalty my way and, you know, let me kind of go back at them. And, and that's that's kind of the way that the, the refs have approached it. The more that you can talk to them and communicate and, uh, you know, you understand their side of it a little bit. And, uh, you, you know, they understand that I'm still trying to do my job and help my team win. And, and part of that is probably going to put them in some tough situations. But if you, if you do it the right way, there's, uh, there's definitely a way to, to, do, you know, to, to walk that fine line. And, um, you know, I do feel more comfortable with the referees and, and how, 
you know, we've been going, you still have your moments, you still have your games, but you make sure that you talk to him next game and make sure it doesn't carry over. So Nux, when you played, like who, who was, who was similar to the galley? Like who, who can you recall that was similar to him when you played? I, it's hard to come up with someone similar to Brendan. I, I look at some of the smaller players like Lindsman, Keith Acton, but they weren't like Brendan. I mean, they were more guys that used their stick more and stick in the face or to try and protect themselves with Brendan fearlessly going to corners, stuff like that. I, I would say Matt's Naslin in, in a way Matt's was like, like uh, Brendan in the fact that he'd go to the net hard, he'd stick his nose in there. He'd go into corner with the corners with big guys and wouldn't shy away from that. So yeah, I I'd say Matt's Naslin uh, if there was a, a, a player similar and could score goals. Right. So, and I look at your, your, the beginning of your career, they 15 goals the first year, then second year, Brendan, 19, almost breached the 20-goal mark, and next year um, you got 24. You were playing with Plipkanik that year. Uh, you played with some really good sentiment, and in, in, in your last sentiment being Dano, um before he left, uh, you had two 30-goal seasons. When you look at those two players, how easy was it for you to play alongside a guy like Plakanic and Dano, both. And what are their differences, if any? Well, I think a big part of, uh, you know, they're two very good players too. And, but the similarity is you're on the ice against the best players in the world. And they, I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, that kind of challenge that came with it. Uh, you kind of understand you have to, you have to be more engaged. You have to think and the way that you work with these guys who are very good face-off guys, and they're going to put you in good situations and you can kind of work together. It's more a, a give and go style of hockey. It, um, you know, that, that type of player is, is something that I've always meshed well with. So uh, you throw in uh, Tuna who uh, the three of us had a, a lot of success. You know, we just enjoyed, you know, working together, finding solutions. Sometimes when the, the first period wouldn't go well, it was it was something we enjoyed because you get to work together and you find that, uh, you find a way to make it work and you try to bounce back and make it, okay, you had a bad period, let's not have a bad game. You know, that kind of that kind of mentality. So it's, um, yeah, it was, it was just a challenge because, you know, if you have a bad night, you're going to get embarrassed because you're playing against the Sydney's Crosbys and the Connor McDavid's and, you know, those, those types of players in the world. They'll make you look silly if you're not ready to play. So it was, uh, it was, it was a challenge that I've always enjoyed. You know, I remember, um, you know, nights myself playing in the NHL and I, I, I'm going to ask both of you this in, in a sense. Um, when I was playing, doing all that fighting, there were times I'd be sitting there on the bench or in the penalty box saying, you know, man, I wish I could score more goals. I wish I was, I wish I could do this. Did you ever have that feeling sitting on the bench being a smaller guy? Did you ever have that wish? Maybe like, I wish I was maybe six two. You know what? No, uh, and it's weird to say, um, but from a young age, one of the things my dad always told me driving home from the rink, you know, whether I had a good game or bad game, he always told me my size is my advantage, and I've kind of it might be you know something that I've I've been able to trick myself into believing, but there's some things that I feel like I can do as a smaller player that a big guy can't, and there's things that I have to understand I can't do that a big guy can. And, uh, you know, you're all, you're all given different things that are out of your control. You deal with what you control. There's a lot of things you can work on and get better at. And, uh, that's kind of the stuff I, I try to worry about the most and, uh, you try yeah. to improve that way, but I've never, uh, you know, I never, I don't know, I don't know what I'd be, but I'm not, and there's no sense in, uh, wasting energy thinking about it. Yeah. 
That's a great answer. I think for me, I kind of wish I had what you had, Gally. Like we're, you know, I was a small guy, but I didn't have that. You know, it just took me time, I guess. Or, you know, it took a lot for me to to have that kind of, you know, fuck you attitude, I guess you want to call it. <laughs> but when I was in the minors, I wish I was six foot every every day. I was, you know, I was I wish I was bigger and because I just thought I would get more of an opportunity. But when it's all said and done, no, I, I like playing at the size I was at. Um, I just wish I, you know, maybe could have had a little bit more like oomph to my game. But, you know, it, it is, you know. I don't really, uh, like you said, I'm not. And, and I definitely accepted who I was and enjoyed being a little guy. Yeah. And I enjoyed fighting and not scoring a whole lot of <laughs> goals, but uh, Brendan, we talk about the injuries a little bit and I, I kind of, I guess I want to know how much that bothered you and set you back when it, you broke your fingers blocking that slap shot from Boychuk back in 2015, 2016. You battled through that, and then you're back in the lineup. And then I think it was Shea hit you with a slap, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, next year. Not the on next purpose. Year you got but me. Yeah. The next year, yeah. and then you break your hand. Now, I remember the people in the media here saying, oh, my God, he can't hold his stick. He's... The next year, he come back. He can't shoot the same. There's something wrong with his hand. And I'm like, stop, will you? And you go out and score 32, 30 goals the next two seasons. It's like, how tough was that for you to get, battle through that? And how long was the rehab on both hands? You know, you, you kinda, you're kind of competing with yourself a little bit. So the first time I did it, I think I got back in, I think it was like five weeks and five days. So the next time you just want the rehab to go quicker. So I think it was like five weeks and four days or something. And that was something that I could feel good about. You know, it was, uh, you, as you go through these rehabs, uh, you know, being away from the team is kind of the hardest thing that you have to do. So you need something to kind of push yourself and motivate yourself. So, um, you know, we're, we're surrounded by, you know, the, the smartest people that the the team has to offer. They have, you listen to them, you do everything they say and they're doing what they can do to get you back and healthy. And you just trust in that process. And, um, you know, you understand your body better than ever. Some things are going to be an adjustment. Sometimes it's going to be different, but you work at it. And, uh, like you've done your whole life, you know, if, you know, it might not work right away, but you keep working, you find a way and you find a solution. And for me, part of that, I had to change my stick, you know, I had a tougher time shooting. So I changed my curve a little bit, made it a little bit bigger. It, it allowed me to shoot the puck like I had before. And, um, you know, that's that you, you make these little adjustments as you go and you deal with it. And, uh, you know, the one thing that can never take away from you is your brain and you're still able to think the game you're still able to find solutions on the ice. And when you have that, you can still continue to be a good player. Now I want to, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, um, the, the, uh, COVID and, uh, the impact that had on not only you, but your teammates. Now, how difficult was that? playing in front of no fans, all right, keeping yourself motivated, having to wear a mask, um, you know, staying in the hotel. How difficult was that mentally, emotionally, and and just everything on you? It was tough. I mean, I mean, it was like, I guess everybody in the world went through, went through it. And I don't think anyone enjoyed it. It was, it was tough and we were no different, you know, the things we love doing the most are hanging out together, going for dinners on the road and, and being a team. And these things were taken away from us. So the, the enjoyment of the season, especially when you're going through these losing streaks, uh, you know, it, it's tough to get out of. And you, you, like you said, you can't go for, you 
can't go out for dinners. You can't leave the hotel. You're wearing the mask around the rink. You're not really supposed to socialize. You're doing these tests every morning when you're grumpy and you're pissed off. You know, it was, uh, it'll, and then there's no fans in the stands. So everything uh, that we love about playing in the National Hockey League, all these things were kind of taken away and you just had to play and do your job and understand that you got you to block all this stuff out and find a way to, to be successful. But there's some nights where, you know, maybe you show up to the rink and, you know, your legs feel a little bit heavier. It's a Monday night, but you step out on the ice at the Bell Center and there's 18,000 people cheering for you and you get that boost. We lost that that year. So it was, uh, you know, it was just tougher to to go through that grind of the season. And then once you got to playoffs, playoffs were, were whatever. You don't even really notice the rink. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, you're just trying to find a way to, to win that next game and, and keep advancing. I want to ask you about um, the coaches you've had at the National Hockey League level. And um, let's say, uh, if I'm, I'm correct here, um, Michelle Terrian, Claude Julian, uh, Duchamp, and now Marty. Did you have um, Jacques Martin at all back at the I beginning? Didn't. I didn't. No, Michelle didn't. Terrian was right. my so first coach. Those were your coaches, right? Yes. Those four. Now, when you look at those four personalities, they're all pretty different. Which ones, I guess, well, I'm not asking you to throw somebody under the bus, but who would guys, who are the difficult ones to play for? And if, if they weren't difficult, who had the most impact on you as a player and, and you like playing for? Uh, well, early on, I think you're the most, uh, I don't want to say coachable, but you're, you're learning the most early on in your career. So I think uh, the combination of Michelle Terrian and Gerard Glant, who we had on the bench there was, yeah, uh, was so big for me. Uh, big Mike, he was, I couldn't appreciate, he was black and white. If you did what he said, you'll play. And I, I fully appreciated how he coached me. He was hard on me, but I, I understood that as a player. And I love that as a player because I knew if I did the right thing, I'd be rewarded with ice time. And, uh, early on, he would shelter us. He would take us off the ice when Ovechkin and Crosby were on the ice. And as a young kid, my first couple of games, I didn't need to be playing against those guys. You know, I didn't need to be put in those situations. So he protected us as young players. And then as the season went on, you know, he he kind of understands, yeah. okay, maybe they can handle it. You know, there's a time and place in a game where I'll test them, I'll figure it out. And uh, and having Jar Gallant as our forward coach, you know, his, his pedigree as a player and a coach, um, you know, those were two guys that – I could learn from a lot early on. I really appreciated that. And then we went to Claude, uh, you know, as, you know, Big Mike's time was coming to an end. It was probably the right thing to do to, to move on to another coach. And, and Claude came in with all this experience. And I actually felt like he kind of hated me because we were in Boston. he was in Boston before, but uh, it, was, it was obviously <laughs> the opposite. Um, you know, he obviously had a ton of respect for us as players and he worked with us and we were kind of all slumping and feeling a little bit down. And he just worked with us. He, he, understood where we were um you know and, and kind of built us back up as players and then dom kind of came in in that exact same situation where uh you know we were in a we were kind of as players it was it was tough to say we were just in this hole and a new voice and a new uh mindset we just changed everything changed the forecheck the neutral zone the defensive zone we just changed stuff just to change it and hopefully it would get us out and it worked you know we we went on a, a little bit of run there and and now with Marty, um, you know, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm just really excited to, to pick his brain and learn. He came in with a, a mindset that, um, you know, he, he's, 
he has a plan. He believes in his plan. And as players, we're, we're gonna, when you listen to him talk, you have no choice but to buy into it. Uh, you know, his confidence level in this, in his structure. And, uh, you know, it's not so much teaching the, the forecheck or teaching that he wants to teach your brain and teach you to think the game of hockey. And uh, as older players, you know, that's that's something that you're excited about because you can always learn new things and new tricks and uh, and new ideas on the ice. And he just wants you to think the game away from the puck and maybe a couple – you know, the puck's here, it's going to be moved there. Don't necessarily wait for the puck to be moved there to understand that you need to be in this position kind of thing. It's just thinking ahead of the game and getting your brain going. And, and uh, you know, that's something I'm really looking forward to. So you can learn everything from every coach. Uh, you don't have to like them. You have to respect them. You have to listen to them if you want to play. And, um, you know, I think every coach has something to bring to the to the table. You just have to understand how it can help you as a player. What about teammates? What about early on, like a veteran, t- you know, veteran teammates that took you took took you under their wing? You know, I know you were close with Brandon Prust, and you know, I'm close. I'm friends with Rennie Bork and guys like that. But was there any veteran guys that that kind of helped you early on? Yeah, well, I just uh, I lived with Josh Georges my first two years, and I was actually down. Uh, he has a softball tournament, so I head down to Kelowna and and spend some time with him and his wife Maggie. And uh, those two let me live with them early on was was pretty much everything for me as a young kid there's so much going on you're you know you're playing in the national hockey league for the first time and there's there's so many distractions that you don't really need to think about and uh, they took care of all that all i had to worry about was playing hockey and i'll forever be uh, grateful and appreciative of of him and georgia was a great guy to lead, learn from he was a leader in our locker room he understood the way the game should be played and um you know i i I appreciate that. And then our captain that year was Brian Gianta, who was another smaller player who I could look up to the way he played. And yeah. uh, he couldn't have been more approachable. He was, he sat beside me in the room and helped me out whenever I needed, had some fun with him. You know, he's, uh, he's still a guy that, you know, when I go to Buffalo, I, I see uh, Gio. So these are teammates that, that meant a lot to me in my career. And anytime you get a chance to see him, uh, you're always excited too. So teammates that mean a lot to you. I can't imagine, um, uh, these two guys, Shea Weber and Kerry Price, um, they got to be right up there. And when you uh, being part of that team that went to the Stanley Cup final, how big a piece? Uh, obviously, we know the big piece that Price was, the way he played in the net. But I remember Shea came in here, and there's some some smart asses on the radio or in the newspaper would say, you know, um, leadership you know oh he's great in the room he's a leader uh, i want guys who are great in the ice but tell us just how important that leadership in the room is from a guy like shea weather well you could talk to every single person uh, that shea encountered in his career whether it be a player a coach a training staff member a flight attendant a hotel he treated everyone with uh with respect he understood that they were doing a job and um, when you're around someone like that, it, it makes you want to do these things. And he created a culture in our locker room. He was somebody that, uh, from the moment he came in, first of all, he's an, he's an all-star pretty much every season. I think he's probably going to be in the hall of fame. Uh, he had won medals, uh, at the playing for team Canada. He was, he was a, you know, he won world junior, uh, or, uh, Memorial cup championships. You know, he was, he was a winner. And, and he did all these things the right way and he, he treated people the way they should be treated. I think when, you, when you're when you talking about creating a culture in a locker room, it starts with your leader and it started with him and, and it really ran through our room. And then when we were adding pieces, you bring in like a Corey Perry and you have a Pricey and you have an Eric Stahl um, 
and that's how culture is built. And you have these guys that have won, but they do things the right way. They treat people the right way. Uh, they understand when a teammate's going through a tough time, how they can help them and they can pull them aside and not embarrass them. And they also understand when you need a little kick in the ass as well. And, and those are what, uh, that's what you need in a locker room to be successful. And that's what those, those players did. All right. I, <clears throat> last season, I uh, wanted to talk to you about last season and, you know, your numbers were down obviously. And uh, listen, I watched you from the beginning and uh, through most of your career, there weren't many nights that you didn't have legs and you could tell, all right, you, you play 82 games. You, you might've had 10 games a season where you could say, all right, Brendan's legs, they ain't going tonight. And it happens to every player. There's no question about it. Last year, it seemed a little more often. And you admittedly said that your body let you down last season. Do you think that was because of the circumstances of the season and some of the injuries to COVID? Or do you think it's father time starting to catch up with you at 30 years old? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I'm not worried, first of all. I think when you look at what we went through, the bubble, um, you know, my body went through a lot there, needed a surgery. My hip was was in a tough spot, uh, you know, that needed to be repaired. Uh, yeah basically had no summer then we go into our season and it's a covid season basically where you're not able to get your workouts really in you're not allowed to spend the time in the gym we go on our long run uh really only had a month to prepare and get ready in the gym which is you know i'm used to three 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 and a half so it's uh, you know, I, I just found 15 games into the season, my body felt like we had played 60, 70 games already. And that just built up and built up. And, you know, I just, uh, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to recover. And, um, so, you know, spending a, a good hard summer here and, and putting in the training, getting back to what I've always done. Uh, I already feel much better than I did even showing up to camp and we still have a couple months to go here. So I'm, I'm not too worried. I understand, uh, you know, what I am as a player, I'm still going to be able to do all those things and, and get back to, you know, to, to being a contributor of both ends of the ice. So I, I'm confident. I hope that gives some Habs fans uh, a little bit of comfort, uh, comfort, but um, you know, I understand there's expectations and uh, I didn't reach those expectations last year, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about getting back to the game that I know I can play. Those nights you don't have your legs, I mean, I know for me, it was, I was screwed. You know, I was hoping for power plays or something like, is that, when that happens with you, I mean, is that, you know, do you start thinking like, I'm going to start stirring shit up here and, and start getting a little bit, you know, be more of like a rat or that side of the game for you? Or what what's kind of goes in your mind when that happens? Yeah, well, there's different ways to get yourself going. Uh, for me, I like to, you know, if I can get a couple shots on net and, you know, I can feel like I'm engaged or I can block a shot or I can finish my check on a guy. These are ways that I feel like I'm engaged in the game. And when you build up these little moments throughout, uh, when you get the puck on your stick and you get a chance to score, you feel confident you feel like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, to handle that moment. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's maybe the team doesn't have much life and it's just causing a scrum or going at their best player and just grabbing them and, you know, getting the other team all riled up. These are little things that throughout the game, you just have a feel for it. Uh, you don't want to be sitting in the penalty box, having your, your guys killing a penalty for you for sure, but you have to be smart about it and, and find ways to, to create energy for the group. And some nights are easier than others. Uh, but when you play those 82 games, uh, you know, every game, you know, look at the standings, every game is so critical nowadays. So can't let any slide. You got to make sure that you're just trying to be a contributor every night. All right, Brennan, a uh, few more and we'll let you go. The um, 
want to ask you about going to the Stanley Cup final. And listen, I, I, I feel so grateful having gone there one time, one time, and winning it. And you get there that one time, and obviously we know what happened. You guys fell short, and it was an awesome experience, I'm sure. But the pain of that, how difficult was that for you? And um, at the end, getting to the end there, and you're right there, and, and you guys aren't able to pull it off. How difficult was that? Well, I mean, we describe it a little bit differently. You know, Habs fans, it was an unbelievable run. It was an experience for us. It sucked. It was, it was one of yeah. the, you dream about this your entire life. You dream about getting there, uh, but you dream about winning. Um, and for it to be over in five games. And, uh, you know, I remember at first I really felt bad for myself, selfishly speaking. I was sitting there thinking like, you know, that, that sucks. But then I remember looking around our locker room and I remember seeing Webb's face. And I remember seeing Pricey's face and uh, oh. Paris's face. And that was what really got me. And, uh, you know, I, no longer felt bad for myself. I felt bad for these guys that uh, that had gone to to war their entire careers, and I know that's a terrible term, but it's it's battle and what they put their bodies through, and and, and the way they grind it out. It's um, battle through injuries year after year. Uh, they were just so deserving of it. And, uh, the game felt cruel in that moment because I felt like those guys deserved it more than anyone. And and as teammates for those guys, I would have liked to to deliver that for them. So it was, uh, we, we had knew we were losing some key pieces. We knew we wouldn't be back as a group. And, uh, you know, afterwards I, uh, yeah, that was, that was one of the tougher nights I've ever had. Yeah. And I can certainly see why. And, and, and looking forward here now you're coming back. Um, there's new management in place, Gordon and Hughes, uh, Marty's here, uh, which I think is awesome for this organization, but, it looks as though, and I don't know the plan, but from the outside, it looks like they've got some rebuilding to do. Are you in for that in the long haul? Uh, listen, everybody wants to win a Stanley Cup. Are, are you going to be in that for the long haul here? I want to win a Stanley Cup. I want to win a Stanley Cup in Montreal. That's that's always been my goal. And, and I've always said... You know, we've had, we've had bad years. Players determine the rebuild. You look at L.A. right now, what they did last year, they forced management's hands. They weren't supposed to be in the playoffs. They weren't supposed to be a good team. They proved that they're they're better than people thought. And then they go out and they add a big piece like Fiala, and they're probably going to do more. I mean, that's that's what happens in our game. Um, so if, you know, if uh, if they'll have me, I uh, – you know, I, I love being a Montreal. I love the city. I love being able to say I'm a Montreal Canadian. Like you talked about earlier, I'd, I'd love to retire here. Um, and as a player, it would kill me if I play my whole career and I don't get the chance to win. And and don't get me wrong, um, you know, I loved, I love seeing my my really good friend uh, in Lecky win a Stanley Cup. But I'm also oh. jealous as hell. So it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things you want to experience for yourself. But I couldn't be more happy or uh, more proud of him. He's a guy that uh, went through so much in his career, ups and downs, first line scratch and, you know, little things that he didn't deserve because he always played the game the right way. He did everything that a, a team uh, could ask of a guy and he goes to Colorado in the perfect situation and uh, couldn't have stepped up more in bigger moments. So, um, you know, it was, it was great seeing him hoist that cup. Well, that's why I texted you right away and, mm -hmm. I'm like, you got to be happy for this kid because you're right when you say that about him. That kid, he plays on the wall. He play, kills penalties. He can play in any situation. And, boy, Colorado used them every way. K 
killing penalties. He was on the big line. He was on the power play. Like yeah. they get a five and, on three, and we saw he a, could handle yeah, it, right? Yeah, big moments. Five on three, he's on the ice. You know, he's he's a guy that um, you know coaches definitely uh, love, teammates love. Uh, you know, it's hard to find a fault in him. Honestly, he's uh, he's a he's a really good friend, put it that way, and uh, and I'm happy for him. Yeah, I got one question. What's the what's the golf? What's the handicap at? What what part <laughs> of the game is? And uh, I'm a golfer, so. Where are you at? Where's the index? What's uh, what's uh, the what's well, the best and worst part about your game? I mean, well, I'm, I'm I kind of cheat. I only play the same two courses over and over again, so my putting <laughs> is a little bit better than you'd expect because I know these greens. But um, you know, I I can play anywhere from you know a couple over par to to eight nine over par, uh, depending on the day. I will say this: I golfed with my dad yesterday, and he shot. He was six over par, which is by far the best round of his entire life. I think his previous best was like 13 or 14 over par. So I don't know what happened yesterday, but I watched him do that. Now I, I don't feel so good about my game. You're coming back. Um, looking to certainly go back to the Stanley cup. Um, are you ready? And do you want that C on your chest here in Montreal? I think everyone does. That's that's one of the biggest honors in in sport uh, is to be named captain of a of a group of uh, of men fighting for the same goal, and, and you know to do that in a city like Montreal is with all the you know the the history that comes with this organization would be an honor. And you know that said, uh, I do believe that we have a few guys capable of doing it and capable of leading. And um, you know, I'm just going to do my part. Uh, I understand what I am as a player. I understand how I can help a group and how I can how I can be a leader for a team. And um, you know, if that means wearing that letter, uh, I feel like I can do that. If not, I'm uh, I still feel like I'm able to do my job. So we're uh, as a group. You know, we need to take a step forward. And to do that, we're going to need a lot of guys to step up and probably take on more of that responsibility of of being a leader and and creating that that winning culture that we've had for. Um, you know, for, for a few years prior and, uh, and get back to, to feeling good about ourselves, leaving the rink. And that's our only goal. Well, I hope you get that C and I hope you're able to, um, certainly, uh, lead this group of players, uh, this team back to the Stanley cup final and eventually win it. I'd love to see that for you. There's, I, I gotta tell you, honestly, when I watch you play and I watch you from the beginning, there's, <laughs> you, you don't cheat the game. Uh, and you don't cheat your teammates, you don't cheat yourself, and you're certainly deserving of it, and I hope you get there, and I hope you achieve that goal, and you certainly, in my estimation, deserve that C on your chest, no question. Oh, thank you, Nux. It means a lot. Thank you. Yeah,